Hi, this is Katie Gamble with my friend Charlie. We got Chris Smith with us today for another episode of Clarksville's Conversation, where we're doing a series where we're interviewing our current city council candidates. So, Chris, you want to introduce us? Yeah, so today we're doing Ward 9, um, and the candidates in Ward 9 are Scott Comperry, Christopher Lanier, Brad Morrow, and Karen Reynolds. Um, so we'll get started talking about growth, um, and we'll start with uh, Christopher Lanier. Uh, Christopher, what does good growth in Clarksville look like to you? I mean, you've got, you've got two aspects of it. You've got growth for the citizens, and you've got growth in industry and, and business. So, I mean, it's kind of a balancing act there. You know, need the houses for the people coming in and, and need the jobs. All right. And um, Brad Morrow, what does uh, growth look like to you? Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Um, so, if you read anything uh, about history here, you know, there's only two states of being for people. There's growth or decline. Um, Go look at uh, some of the Rust Belt towns in Indiana and see if you want to be a declining town or look at Cheatham County. Um, Clarksville is a growing place. We want it to be a growing place, but it needs to grow in a smart way. So far, and I'm sure we'll talk about this even more when we get into the traffic stuff, but we've mostly grown down the state highways, 41A, Wilma Rudolph. Um, that makes planning and coordinating that stuff exponentially more difficult. Um, we need to infill. Um, we need to get a growth plan that lines up with the county and the state. Uh, and we need to look at funding sources for these things, maybe impact fees, but that wouldn't be very popular. Obviously tax raises wouldn't be very popular, long-term solution to a short-term problem. Um, but the biggest thing about growth is that we understand that it is necessary. It can be managed. Uh, and people just need to have confidence that the leadership is actually trying to do this in the smartest way possible so that we don't impact the neighborhoods tear up um, good traffic patterns and replace them with t terrible traffic patterns. Um, and, you know, Chris, growth isn't just roads. Um, we've got issues with our water and sewer lines, schools. Uh, and when you add new neighborhoods, you have to add more fire, police, and EMS as well. So all of those are part of the growth initiative, and they all have to be supported. So, Scott Comperry, what does um, good growth look like to you in Clarksville? Well, uh, I like the event center downtown. Uh, that's good growth, I think. I think it's going to promote a lot of business. Um, other you know, good developments, reasonably with traffic uh, issues. And Karen Reynolds, uh, what does good growth look like to you? Um, thank you, uh, Clarkfield Now, for hosting this event. And re I recently met with John Spain Howard and Jeffrey Tyndall from the Regional Planning Committee Commission. They were both very gracious and informative. One of my takeaways from the meeting was when Jeff said that they were actually consensus builders. I appreciated that statement, and that's exactly what I see my role as being when I'm elected to city council. The mission statement for the Planning Commission includes a sustainable balance of agriculture and commerce. And that is one of the things as I look across our, our area um, and, and our disappearing uh, agriculture. We are about 10 years behind a 10-year plan. One only has to look, take an aerial view and notice that we have ringed in our industrial area, our industrial uh, with, um, with homes, and we are putting a school within a couple miles of our industrial park, a second school. 
Um, I would like to explore the option of hiring a consultant and long range planner to create a growth plan for the city of Clarksville. Uh, the reason that I say that we hire a long-term planner is we have some difficult choices to make as our city expands and grows, and a consultant will avoid the appearance of part, uh, partisanship. The plan for our city must include preserving areas for green space and green energy such as solar panels. As our city expands, our agricultures are shrinking, and now is the time to preserve spaces large and small. We also have to begin infilling and build with more density and we must focus on building inclusive and affordable housing. An example of, of this is the Wilson Green Properties in Sango where they built affordable housing and $300,000 homes in, in a neighborhood together. We must protect our current citizens from gentrification and ensure they are not taxed out of their homes and communities such as those located uh, in our district of Gulf Cub Lane and Vista Lane. As our city grows, we must have a vision and build with consensus with our county government, builders, realtors, residents, small and large businesses, and um, they must be affordable, welcoming, and inclusive of all residents. We live in a city that's been selected as one of the best places to live in the United States. As we grow, let's strive to live up to this honor. We need to build we need to hold our builders to a high standard when constructing new homes, protect our historical properties, and listen to our citizens. Thanks. Thank you, Karen. So with growth obviously comes concerns with traffic, which is an ongoing hot topic. So we'll start with Brad this time. Um, what would you do to address the traffic issues, not only in your ward, but across the city? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Katie. So the very first thing I would talk about is managing expectations. Look, we're running for a city council position. It's four years. Um, after speaking with guys at the street department, the highway department, um, if we're using local money and doing a local project, you're looking at a timeline of two to four years to get something done from planning to construction, two to four years. If we're working on something that's one of these state roads or a federally owned piece of uh, road roadway there, and we're using money that's coming from the state or the federal government, you're talking 10 years plus to get any one of these projects from planning to construction. So the first thing to do is to manage expectations. I'm not gonna come up here and say, hey, put me in city council and I'll fix your traffic problems because none of us can do that. What we can do is we can get these plans developed and we can start finding the pots of money that the, that the funding can come from and we can lay the groundwork for these things to happen over time. Now, along with that planning issue, we talked about just a few minutes ago, uh, we mostly expanded up and down the state highway corridors, 41A and, and Wilma Rudolph. Well, one of the reasons Wilma is so traffic congested is because all those properties down through there, all those commercial properties, everybody wanted a, a driveway that leads from their property out onto Wilma instead of doing a, one or two access points and a service road behind Wilma to get the traffic flowing more smoothly. Um, in future developments, that's going to be a huge part of the planning that we put into place. Um, working with those state and, and uh, federal highway and, and street departments to get these things done. Um, proper planning and new developments, uh, getting some developers on board with adding extra turn lanes. We've got, a, we've got an apartment complex coming in down here on the other side of uh, Whitfield, and the gentleman who's developing that agreed to put in an extra turn lane and widen the road. Those kinds of things, that kind of buy-in from the developers is critical to keep the traffic 
at least stable and not from getting worse. Um, thankfully, the city council that's already in has put the project in place to fix this uh, traffic problem over here at uh, Whitfield and Needmore. Hopefully that'll have a positive impact long-term. Uh, Trenton is definitely on the radar and connecting uh, kind of the middle part of Wilma back over to Trenton, um, Kennedy Lane area or down further. That'd be a big project as well that we could look at um, to help alleviate some of the congestion there. But those are, those are the biggest parts of, uh, of dealing with traffic in Clarksville that I think everybody should be aware of. And the biggest one there, it does start with managing expectations. Thank you, Brad. Um, Chris, what are your, some of your thoughts on traffic? Well, I mean, I like some of the stuff we've we've been doing and kind of move, you know, forward with that. I mean, that Warfield project opened up, kind of like Brad was saying, you know, it took forever to get that done. State, you know, opened that. You know, Dunbar Cave Bridge is being replaced currently. Um, you know, Wilma's getting sidewalks, you know, but we still have congestion. We still have, you know, some, some places in town that are, don't have as, as many turning lanes or, you know, ways to get past them that really slow everything up. So, you know, we got to work with, with all of those individuals to get, to get those areas, you know, addressed and fixed, um, you know, with state and federal money. Um, uh, I, I really think traffic light timing seems to be a, an issue, especially on Wilma Rudolph. I travel that almost daily and um, trying to get from one end to another, you know, seems it slows everybody down. So I'd like to look at some of that um, and try to get the flow better. Um, what do you think should be done to address uh, traffic problems in Clarksville, Scott? Well, if I'm a sitting uh, city councilman, what I'm gonna do when a person has a uh, request to get a new housing area put in Clarksville, new subdivision, I'm going to personally go to that subdivision area and I'm going to check the traffic myself. I'm going to ask the uh, city police to put one of those uh, markers that uh, I think well, I'm, I'm probably calling it the wrong thing, but it actually tells you how much traffic per day goes through an area and what the high traffic times are and stuff. So anyways, um, that would be one way of uh, going at it. Uh, if it's already a heavily congested area, it'd be hard for me to vote yes for that subdivision. Um, Karen, so what are some of the your thoughts on traffic and how you address those issues? So um, I discussed earlier creating a long-term plan uh, for our growth, and it should also include additional roads and highways. We cannot just pave our way out of this problem. We have some very hard choices to make. We need to elect individuals that will make the hard right decisions for the city of Clarksville and our neighborhoods. We must react to current issues, traffic issues, but we have to develop a long-term infrastructure plan. One of the reasons that I'm running for city council is actually the old Trenton Road in my neighborhood. Um, they're putting additional traffic on a very narrow, busy road. And when I walked the neighborhood down on the corner of Whitfield and Old Trenton, it appears that they did not reserve uh, space on the side of the road to widen or put in a traffic circle. We also need to be positioned to compete for state funding and grants as we implement our growth and, and infrastructure plans. Our community is one of the fastest growing in the nation and we must balance our growth 
with our infrastructure while maintaining an equitable tax base for our residents and businesses. Our city has a lot of work to do on our infrastructure, but there are a few things individual citizens can do in the meantime. You can use GPS, such as Waze and Google Navigations to avoid backups. And um, you can also, uh, if you are working in a factory or a shop, you can uh, shift your starting times and uh, the times that you release uh, your employers. As a resident, I've also, there has not been a person I've talked to about traffic. Oh, did I lose you guys? No, we can hear you. Um, I, 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 whenever we talk about traffic, everybody talks about the need to slow down. This complaint is raised everywhere that I go, uh, the speeding in our neighborhoods. So I'd like to uh, do a shout out to Clark's Villians that please slow down in your neighborhoods. Your, your neighbors are frustrated. We should not have to purchase speed bumps in a neighborhood that is clearly marked 20 miles per hour. Just please slow down. Thanks. Well, th thank you, Karen. And, uh, you know, we've mentioned growth a few times and with growth comes crime. So let, let's talk about what you would do to address crime in Clarksville. And we'll start back with Karen on this one. Thank you. And, and I would like to thank all our first responders in Clarksville. They work very hard to keep our city and residents as safe as possible. They know our neighborhoods and conversations to decrease crime should first uh, start with responders, residents, and local elected officials aimed at building uh, part uh, pardon, partnerships. There are many approaches to crime control and I choose to lead with prevention. Our community lacks an organized outreach program for our vulnerable citizens who require housing, meals, or mental health services. Oftentimes our first responders are aware of the needs, but there is not a clear pathway for them or the citizens to obtain assistance. I recently served as a manager as a project manager of a process improvement project that incorporated the integration of behavioral health consultants into a holistic model of healthcare and removed the barriers for referring patients to behavioral health. Our project won the highly coveted Army Medicine uh, Wolfpack Award, and I would like to use the same process and skills uh, to create an outreach program for Clarksville. As a ninth Ward City Councilwoman, I would lead the creation of a pathway for families, advocacies, churches, and public servants to support our citizens who require assistance. The pathway must be inclusive, provide a conduit to our citizens who require community or mental health services, and include organizations that provide meals, housing, and other types of assistance. There are also areas in our city that need to be cleaned up. Buildings with broken windows, abandoned cars, and litter sends a message to criminals that our community has become complacent. Our city council has taken steps recently to improve some of these areas, but we can do better throughout our entire city. We're already starting with sidewalks and a cleanup, but I think that that is a easy low-lying fruit that we can uh, take care of early on. Thank you. All right, thanks, Karen. Hey, Chris, let's go to you. How would, how would you address crime in Clarksville? Well, I think I think one of the thing, couple of things we need to do is make sure we continue to support police, um, set up neighborhood meetings so we can get the the opinions of 
the ward of where those areas are, what needs to be addressed, what needs to be, you know, cleaned up, what needs to be, you know, sometimes in a neighborhood it's just a bad street or, or a bad couple houses that, that need to be addressed and need to be brought to the city's attention. Um, encourage involvement with those citizens that they, they get involved, neighborhood watch programs that they help self-police, you know, their neighborhood to, to keep a vigilant eye on areas of concern that they can bring that, you know, before the city or anybody that needs to be aware. Even simple things as building codes can sometimes help remedy those problems. Um, you know, of course, clean, clean up the neighborhoods. We need, um, you know, I've seen a couple houses around that, that really seem to be prone for a lot of 911 calls and, and something really needs to be done about um, a couple of those areas and those are in ward nine. Um, so, I mean, my biggest thing is support is, is support the people who take care of the, of the crime and that'd be the police and, and go on some of their expertise. So how would you address crime in Clarksville? Well, addressing crime, it, the best way I can address crime is make sure our city police are well-funded, that they have all the tools needed and all the equipment needed possible for that. I, um, I have different uh, things that, that I've learned over the past few years because I was one of them that actually got the uh, no trespassing state property signs put up at the exits uh, because we had vagrant people there and uh, there's a lot of drug activity that runs through that and so you know I try to work with the police the best way I can on what I know but funding them is the best way and supporting them is the best way. Brad thank you. how would you address crime in Clarksville? Well I heard Chris say this definitely I'm pretty sure I heard Karen say it too but number one is continue to support our police and first responders that's there's no question of that. Um, so my concept here is basically three points you've got community policing initiatives. Um, you know, when I was studying uh, over at Austin P, uh, I took my minor in criminal justice and one of the concepts being taught and pushed really hard right now is the community policing initiatives. Um, Chief Cockrell is an amazing leader. Uh, we have a great sheriff around here too. We've got very talented, very professional, very well-trained police forces in Clarksville. Now with an enhanced community policing initiative, they can get out there, interact with the citizens more break down a little of that police to people fear barrier, uh, get out there and let people see them as people, interact with the community. Our first responders, our police, they're amazing, amazing people. I have a lot of friends on the force. They're just, they're the best, absolute. Now, if more people would get to interact with them in a regular setting instead of, um, most of the time when somebody interacts with a police officer, they're having a bad day. So it would be good if the community members could interact with police on a more regular basis under less stressful circumstances. Get to know them, get to know their humanity. Um, that's a big part of the community policing initiative and I think Chief Cockrell's probably uh, already stressing some of that. I'd like to see that supported and continued. Uh, juvenile interactions. A lot of the crime that we've been reading about, seeing the last couple of years have been these groups of kids going through neighborhoods, breaking into cars, things like that. Bored kids do stupid things. Um, that ties into a lot of other issues things like parks and rec, sports programs, things like that. Um, but when it comes to police interacting with some of these juveniles and some of these instances or incidents, um, maybe a little bit more training on, on dealing with juveniles or a team specifically designated for juvenile interactions so that we're not 
um, so that we're not ruining kids' lives over some young, foolish mistakes. Um, there's a whole life ahead of them. One small issue now shouldn't derail everything that they possibly achieve for the future. So a specific juvenile interaction uh, task force or some training specific for that. And then another thought that I, I had on this matter was, um, you know, our, our city is broken down into various policing uh, districts. And in any given district, there are only so many number of police officers on duty on patrol at any given time. And by policy, by department policy, for example, if there's a domestic violence call, X number of police have to respond to that. Uh, if uh, somebody actually is arrested at a traffic stop or for anything else, the officer that makes the arrest has to do the paperwork, transport them to the jail, processing, uh, processing the person into the jail facility. Now that takes that valuable resource that takes that officer off patrol for a while cuts down on uh, cuts down on the number of officers on patrol uh, it's not very efficient so i'd like to see some support go in there to fund uh, transportation division it doesn't have to be huge a few officers a few vehicles uh, per shift that are specifically designated to transport people who've been arrested uh, to the facilities process paperwork and uh, and that lets our officers stay on patrol. So and it's a rotating duty, so it would give people some downtime off of patrol for a few weeks. So anyway, thank you, Chris, Charlie, and I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, you, we've talked a lot about growth, and we all know that Clarksville's growing, and it's going to take strong leadership to make some really tough decisions moving forward. So we want to thank you all for putting yourself out there and be willing to um, help move Clarksville to the next place, right? That's right. Thank you guys. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation. 